Hey there, good morning SMCC. I'm so glad you could join us today. I'm so glad to see you guys, even if it's this way. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about this sermon today. Um, it's titled, Called by God. Um, in just the context before we dive into the scripture, um, we talked about, you know, uh, previously, we're starting Jesus' ministry. So Jesus just emerged from the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil, and he beat the devil down with scripture. You want to know how to beat the devil? That's how you do it. You tell him the word of God, right? And so Satan leaves bloodied and bruised and all messed up. And so Jesus starts his ministry and he's going on and he's preaching about the kingdom of heaven and he's teaching people and, 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 and illustrating what that looks like. And though he starts out by himself, it is not his intention, nor is it intention today to do that alone. He desires to partner with people to do this, to spread the gospel, to tell them about the kingdom of heaven, to tell them about God. He wants to use other people, right? And so that's where we start today. Is uh, Today we're going to look at where he called some of his first disciples um, and, and what that means for us that are called by God. For these disciples that were called by God, what does it mean for us today practically to be called by God? And we're going to touch on several different things. So before we start, let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, I thank you for bringing us together. I thank you for blessing our time together, God. I ask that you would just speak through me, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would anoint every single person, everyone hearing, Lord, everyone under the sound of my voice, in their living rooms, in their bedrooms, wherever they are, Lord God, that you would just talk to them directly, that you encourage them, love them, Lord, and, and just challenge them, Lord Jesus, in their walk with you, God. We just thank you so much. Let your will be done. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We'll be primarily in this chapter today, um, and we're going to start at verse 3. It says, Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. You know, Peter learned something very important that every Christian needs to know, and that is the fact that Jesus calls us to trust. Jesus calls us to trust. And you know, you see this, that even before Peter had a grasp of who Jesus really was, Jesus expected him to be obedient. Jesus asked him to do something, and he wanted Peter to follow through. And so, you know, how does that apply to our lives as you know, God may be asking you to do things or you read in your Bible where he tells you to do certain things and, you know, to witness to people or whatever else it is or to live a certain way, to live a holy life. You may not have all the answers and you may not know how a situation is going to turn out in your life or what's going to happen. But nevertheless, no matter how shallow or deep your faith is, God requires you to obey him. You know, there's a lot of people that, that before they do anything, they have to know why. And if you're one of those, you, you can understand or relate to that. Like, I need to know why. I need to know why. 
But there's a lot of times where God will ask you to do something, like with Peter, and you don't know why. And sometimes it doesn't even make sense what God is asking you to do. What God is asking you to step out in faith, or you're like, Lord, I don't, I don't see, I don't see how this is going to work. I don't see the purpose behind this. And this is, could have been some, this could have been something that Peter was dealing with, you know, because he's he's a skilled fisherman. This is how he makes his money. And in that day, it's interesting because they caught fish at night in the shallow water. That was how the fishermen of the day caught their catches, right? And so Jesus is telling him to do the exact opposite. He's saying, you know what, it's daytime and go out in the deep. This goes against everything Peter knew as a fisherman. It's, it, it seemed to contradict his logic. It seemed to contradict his experience. Um, maybe even the laws of nature. He's like, fish don't do this, right? And so even that, Jesus asked him to trust him. Jesus asked, will you trust me? Will you do it? And he's like, Lord, at your word, I'll do it. You know. And then this, mir this miracle happened. And, and can you imagine the miracle he would have missed out on if he didn't trust Jesus in that moment, if he didn't step out, if he didn't push the boat out and do what Jesus asked him to do, he would have missed out on the biggest catch of his life that filled up two boats, you know? And so that, that brought me to several other people in the Bible that have done this. Even when it didn't make sense, they trusted God. I mean, do you remember Noah? Like, that guy looked like a fool to everyone around him. I mean, he, he's, he's building this ark for years, and it doesn't make sense. Like, he, there's no flood in sight. Everyone thinks he's crazy, but yet God told him to do it, and he was faithful. And he didn't look stupid when the flood actually came, right? And you look at Abraham, you know, God asked him to pack up everything and leave his land and go to where I have called you. He did not give him an initial destination, he said, I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna bless your descendants, but you need to trust me and follow me. And Abraham packed up everything and went and he left everything. And so you think, wow, that like that doesn't make sense. What if God asked you to pack up everything and move somewhere else, you know? And, or, or you look at Moses and, and Moses was called to basically go in front of Pharaoh and be, you know, uh, uh, to go to him and say, hey, let my people go, right? And even Moses in the moment when God talked to him at the burning bush, he did not want to do it. He's like, Lord, you've got the wrong guy. That's not me. That's not me. But yet, even through his wrestling with it, he still obeyed. He still trusted God and followed through. So even if you're struggling with what God is telling you, you can realize that, you know what, I'm, I'm wrestling with God right now, but ultimately I'm going to trust him. And and because even in my life, I've had this experience, you know, a few months before we got here, I uh, we were raising money to get here and, and to be involved in the church here. And and, and we, we have to raise a certain amount of money and we were about halfway or something like that. And God spoke to me and Shay and was like, Jordan, you need to quit your job um, because I had to, I, I had to pay our bills, right? And so I still needed to have a job while I was in the States before we could, you know, get an income from missions. And uh, I was like, Lord, I, there's no way I can quit my job because I, I won't be able to pay my bills, I won't be able to do this, won't be able to do that. And God was like, if you trust me, I will provide. And so we prayed about it and, and we stepped out in faith and I quit my job and, and went to raising money full time and God provided miraculously. We were never without, he constantly paid our bills, he took care of us and raised the money at the time it was supposed to be raised. And so, you know, we can, 
we, we need to learn to trust God. We may not understand why God is asking us to do something or, or what the purpose is or whatever else, but nevertheless, if God is asking you to do something, trust Him and obey. Trust Him and obey. And I even think a lot of times that when Jesus asks us to do something, like with Peter, it goes against our natural man. It goes against our flesh, and it doesn't make sense. Or, or we can think that, you know, Jesus couldn't relate Jesus just doesn't understand. Because if you take it as that aspect, Peter could have looked at Jesus and like, you're a carpenter? You're not a fisherman? Like, you don't know, man. You don't know how to fish. Like, I'm not gonna listen to you. And we can easily dismiss what Jesus tells us to do and asks us to do and commands us to do because we don't think he can relate to our situation. I mean, could a carpenter tell a fisherman how to fish? Can Jesus tell me what to do when he hasn't lived in this day and age. He hasn't lived in our culture. I mean, it's it's interesting because you kind of see that with people that, you know, and, and I've even noticed, you know, Jesus tells you to love and bless other people and to be kind to one another and passionate, but yet you find someone that has the opposite political beliefs, you know, or, or post something on Facebook that you just don't agree with. You bash them and you become a Facebook warrior and, and you're like, Jesus, you don't understand. You didn't have internet in your day. You don't know what I'm going through, right? Or, or it could be, you know, uh, uh, sexual immorality. You know, we, we, we struggle with the, you know, Jesus tells us to abstain from sexual sin, but you're like, Lord, you don't know what it's like. Do you see how these people dress? Like, my eyes can't stop but looking. You know, I, I think it's interesting that even a few clicks on this device where you can, you know, read the Bible and do other things that just a few clicks, you can be on a website that's completely tempting you and completely sinful to look at. And so you think, Lord, you don't understand. I, I can't resist. Temptation is everywhere. But whatever the situation is, there's no excuse because Jesus' commands still stand. And if you don't think Jesus can relate, you don't know Jesus very well. You don't understand his human life when he was on earth and what he dealt with. Because let me just remind you that Jesus dealt with death. He dealt with shame. He dealt with rejection. He dealt with hunger. He dealt with temptation. We just had a whole sermon on that. So Jesus can relate to what you're going through. He can relate to the experiences and he did it perfectly. He lived a perfect life. So when he tells you to do something and says to live holy, he expects you to do it. He expects you to strive for that because ultimately he wants what is best for you. He loves you. That's why he came and died on the cross for you. He wants you to be set free from these sins and set free from these other things and to trust him immediately. So whether it is asking, um, whether he's asking you to make different lifestyle choices or he's asking you to move jobs or homes or, or change friends or change your hobbies or um, all these things that can seem difficult, ultimately it's to help you out and to teach you something. So we've got to learn how to trust Jesus. And, and if you think that maybe God's telling me to do something right now, I'm not really sure. How do I understand that? Well, today as Christians, you know, Jesus may not ask you to physically push a boat into the water and go catch some fish, right? But he is asking you to do something. And the way you can know, the way you can hear from God and discern his voice is by being in your word, being in the Bible. God gave us the Bible for us to study, for us to see what he did in the past and see what he's gonna do in the future. God allows us to read that. And it's, it should be a privilege to be able to read your word. But not only that, 
We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Through faith in Jesus, we can ask to be filled with God's Holy Spirit, and he illuminates the scriptures. He makes the Bible come alive, and you start hearing him, right? You know, I used to think that Jesus, you know, Jesus said, um, it is better for me to go so that the helper come, the paraclete can come, the Holy Spirit can come, right? And, and dwell with you. And, and a long time ago, I thought, you know, that doesn't make sense. Like, if I could physically see Jesus on a daily basis and hear him and know exactly that that's him, that would be better for me, right? But Jesus wasn't talking on just a one-on-one level. He's talking to his whole church, to everyone, because through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can be with every single believer across the world simultaneously. And he can be there to guide you and disciple you every day, to help you out in your situation, what you are dealing with, and, and he make the Bible come alive to understand. And so you think, Jesus, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You wanna know how to know someone's voice? Guess what? Every parent knows the sound of their child's voice. They can pick them out of a crowd. Parents, you can attest to this. Spouses, you know the sound of your spouse. Every kid knows the sound of their parent. How does that happen? It doesn't just come overnight. It is through this spending time with one another, hearing each other, uh, uh, listening to one another. And so it's the same with Jesus. If you want to hear his voice and know his voice, you need to spend time with him. And that is a way you discern. By being in your word, by listening to the Holy Spirit, spending time with Jesus, learning him, you will be able to recognize his voice more clearly. So let's jump to the next few scriptures. Still in Luke chapter five, and we're gonna go to verse eight. It says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. You know, the mission that Jesus gave Peter remains the same for us today, and it's that Jesus calls us to fish. It was interesting to me that, that when Jesus was, by him using Peter's boat, Peter became a captive audience. Peter had heard that Jesus is the Messiah before, right? And, and he had seen this, but he went back to fishing. And so you see Peter, he's probably really excited that the Messiah is using his boat, right? He knows who Jesus is. He, he probably enjoys the parables and, and he thinks, you know, what, what he thinks the Messiah is, you know, you're going to come and, and free the nation of Israel and make everything right. And that sounds great. But I think at the core, Peter was struggling with something else because he's like, you know what, all this is great and all this is in the future and this is fantastic, but today I have problems. Last night I didn't catch any fish. With the help of people, I still don't have any fish. I've got to pay my bills, I've got to pay tax collectors, all these other things. He could be worried about all these things that he is dealing with and I wonder if you've ever been there that even maybe right now, as you're hearing this sermon, you may be hearing me and you may be hearing the word, but your mind is somewhere else. You're thinking about something else. Your mind is wondering about situations or issues that you don't know how you're gonna figure that out or you don't know what the situation is going to look like or, or the circumstance and how it's gonna end. And yet, so you're, you're, you're just constantly um, uh, thinking about something else. But what is interesting is the gravity of who Jesus really is 
was finally made personal to Peter when Jesus met Peter on his level because Jesus cared to go to him, to go to his boat and help him out in his time of need. He knew Peter didn't catch any fish, guess what? I'm gonna help you catch some fish. If you trust me, I'm going to help you out. And so you gotta think about that. Jesus cared about his frustration and it's the same with us today. Jesus knows what you get stressed out about. He knows what you're frustrated about. He knows what you worry about and he's asking you to trust him and let him take control. He's, he's, just, he's constantly doing that to everyone. Like, hey, I know you can't figure this out. I've already got it figured out. If you trust me, I know the best possible decision you can make. I know what you can do. And so to truly follow Jesus, his authority must be established in our own lives. You know, it, it can be great that you think, yeah, the, Jesus is king of heaven and earth and everything else, but that isn't made real or practical until he is Lord of your life until he is your top priority. And so with Jesus, we see his interaction with Peter and so many other people in the Bible that no one is beneath his personal involvement. I mean, Jesus cares about people. There's no problem too big or too small that Jesus doesn't wanna help you through. And we serve a God that personally invests and cares for each and every one of us on our level. He meets us on our level. And I, I was looking at this, why, why Peter? You know, and as you look through the disciples, you, you, you may wonder this, like, why did he pick these guys? Why did he pick these 12? Like, what was so special? And you gotta think, like, were they just really wise in their day? No, <laughs> as you continue to read, you know they're not wise. Were they bold? Not all the time. Were they extra spiritual? No, not so much. So you think, why did Jesus pick these guys and the, the conclusion that I kept coming to and, and seeing that is because these guys were willing to put everything aside and follow Jesus first. Everything else is going to become second and following Jesus becomes their priority. And you see that, that that's who Jesus wants to use to advance his kingdom. He wants to use those people that he is at the top of their life, that everything they do, how they act, how they live, how they treat their families, all the actions they make, how they speak, is Jesus at the center. That they are more worried about pleasing Jesus and being with Jesus and learning from Jesus than they are about themselves and anything else. That is what consumes them and that's the type of people that God wants to use to advance his kingdom. The people that deny themselves pick up their cross and follow Jesus. That is what Jesus wants us to do. And so if you feel like you're not being used by God a lot, well, just take a look at your life. Is abiding in Jesus the main focus of your life or is it just something you do from time to time? Is it something that you're like, oh, I should do this or I should read my Bible, I should pray more or is it something like I have to, I need to spend time with Jesus or I'm not whole? That's how you can differentiate, like, are you being used by God? Do you wanna be used more by God? Then put Jesus first in your life. And through this communion with Peter and this, this amazing, miraculous event, Jesus immediately calls Peter to catch fish, to go catch men, right? He's using the, the similarities between fish and men, right? Peter understood that, kind of, I think. And so he's telling him, you go catch people. And that's the same for us today. We were supposed to go and catch people for the kingdom, right? To tell them about Jesus, to share the gospel. And you think, what kind of people? All kinds. 
all kinds, big, small, no matter their race, no matter their creed, what their status, the social status, whatever else, Jesus it wants you and expects you to go and share the gospel with anyone that is willing to listen, to teach them the way of Christ, to teach them, his, teach them the commands, teach them what it means to be a disciple and doing all of this in love, all of it in love, reaching people, loving people, because it's our job to go and catch the fish, right? It's our job to go and catch people and tell them about Jesus. It is God's job to transform their heart and transform their lives. You can't do that. You don't have the power to do that. You don't even have the power to transform your own life. That is up to Jesus. But it is your privilege and responsibility to go and share the gospel, right? There should never be anyone that you think shouldn't deserve to hear the gospel. There shouldn't be anyone you think that is below or above hearing the word of God. And so as you think about this, becoming a fisherman for people. Well, in the earthly sense, you don't become a fisherman like a skilled fisherman in one day. It doesn't happen. You don't learn how to sail these stormy, rage seas and, and be an expert on it if you do it one time, right? It takes practice. And as it a pro it's a process to learn how to be a fisherman, it's a process learning how to fish for people. And you won't do it perfectly all the time. You probably won't do it perfectly the first time or your last time, but you get better. You learn. I mean, just, just an example. You don't catch a catfish the same way you would catch a shark right? Both of them require different tools. They require different uh, approaches, different methods, different tactics. And so you have to learn to catch this specific type of fish. I need this. And to catch this specific type of fish, I need to do that. And so you learn how to share Jesus in so many different ways, through so many different avenues, and how to share the gospel where it's not the same thing you say all the time, but it's, it can be um, 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 unique to each individual. God can tell you what that person needs to hear, how you should present the gospel to them, and do that. As we're learning, we learn the best way is by learning from the master staying close to Jesus, learn how he talked to people, what he did in situations, how he treated people, how he did it. He is the perfect evangelist, so we have to stay in close communion with Christ to truly become the fisherman that he wants us to be. But nevertheless, he expects us to fish. He expects you to share the gospel. That's not something that you can just not do. He expects you to do this, and it should be your privilege to share Jesus with others. So let's jump into the last few verses um, where Jesus is calling another disciple. Um, Luke 5 still, and we'll jump to verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at a table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Simply put, Jesus calls us to repent. That word repent, ask for forgiveness, uh, realize that we are sinners, that we make mistakes, and turn from our old lifestyles and follow Jesus. And what better way is that shown is through Matthew's life. Like, him following Jesus was a radical move because now he's a tax collector and now he doesn't have that. Now his life is 
kind of full of uncertainty, really. He is literally walking on faith. He is trusting in Jesus, and he, he guaranteed himself unemployment for one. Like, he cannot go back to his old job. How he paid his bills, all the luxury he had, all that is now gone. But he trusted Jesus first, right? And he's turning from his own lifestyle, and he, I, I believe he, he gained something more important than his job and everything else he dealt with because maybe for the first time in a long time, he was accepted by someone. He was loved by someone, and that was Jesus. You know, you see tax collectors, if you look at the history of them, like they were hated by the Jews. They were despised because they were the Jews that have turned their back on their entire nation. They are doing the work for the Romans, right? They're, they're swindling money or whatever else, and so they're hated among all the communities, right? And you gotta think that the Romans, they don't like the Jews. And they definitely don't like the Jewish tax collectors. They tolerate them, but they, there's no relationship. So Matthew is living in this, this place where he's really not accepted by anybody. He's probably not even loved by anybody. And in steps Jesus, where Jesus is like, follow me. Immediately, you are accepted. You turn to me, you are accepted. I love you. I'm there for you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to be with you. And so Matthew is just elated. Can you imagine or relate to that type of joy of going from you were never accepted, you're always rejected, to now you are loved, you know that you are loved and you are wanted. How that can transform your life. And for Matthew, that's what happened. And, and through that, he, he came to a place where he was not embarrassed of Jesus. He was not shameful of being associated with Jesus. Instead, he makes this huge feast where Jesus is at the center. He's presented as the guest of honor in front of all of his friends, like other tax collectors, other sinners, the people that he knew, the people that he hung out with. It was like, hey guys, I want you to meet Jesus. He completely changed my life. He loved and accepted me, and guess what? He can love and accept you as well. Because you gotta look at Matthew initially associated Jesus with the people he could relate to the most the people that he understood and personally identified with maybe the issues they struggle with and what they were going through. And so he brings in Jesus to share with them. I think it's interesting for us that, that what Jesus brings us out of and, and transforms us, um, we can help relate and identify with other people that are still living in that type of darkness, that are still living in that certain sin or that certain lifestyle or whatever else it is. And God can use you in your life, in your testimony, to illustrate how he can transform a person. That's why a testimony is so important when you are or fishing for people, when you're leading people to repentance. Is share what Jesus has done in your life. Every Christian has a testimony. You don't need to have this miraculous, uh, what you think miraculous experiences of being a drug addict for 35 years and then you came to Jesus and everything's changed. It's like growing up in church, that's a testimony. Whatever your life is, however you came to know Jesus, your growth with Jesus, that's a testimony. And that's what you can share with people that have been in your situation, that have experienced what you've experienced. Be like, I, I get it but God can transform you. God can set you free. God can help you. You need Jesus. You need to repent and turn and accept Jesus into your life. And you see this at Matthew. Again, he was not ashamed of Jesus because being ashamed of Jesus has eternal consequences. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 32 and 33. It says, this is Jesus speaking. So everyone who acknowledges me before men I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. 
But whoever denies me before man, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's, that's kind of scary, right? To think about that, that if you don't, you know, if you're denying Jesus in front of people, that ultimately when you get to heaven and you're expecting this, well done, my good and faithful servant, he's like, I never knew you. Like, I'm rejecting you because you rejected me. And now I want to help you out because maybe you're thinking that I don't share the gospel every single minute. I don't share Jesus with everybody I know. And, and now I'm, I'm doomed to hell. That's, that's not what this passage is saying, right? Fear and discomfort may get the better at you sometimes. And you may, you know, you may be prompted by the Holy Spirit to go and share Jesus, but you let that fear take over and, and, and you just, you don't do it. You end up not sharing the gospel. You're too afraid or whatever else you're going through. You're afraid of rejection. And so you don't do it. I want to remind you that God's grace is stronger than your fear. God can help you overcome that. And let's not forget all the disciples left Jesus when he was going to the cross, right? Peter, who said, Lord, I will die for you. He rejected Jesus and denied him three times, three times before the, the rooster crowed. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's crazy to think that this person is like, I'm for you, Jesus. I'm all in. I'm following you and spending time with you. Still denied. And I think this brings context to when he uh, rejected Christ and he just broke down because he had heard Jesus say this before. If you deny me, I will deny you in heaven. And so he could have thought like, it's over. It's over. I've rejected Christ. Like I've, I totally messed up. And, and you, can, you can feel that way, but I want to remind you that Jesus gave Peter another chance. That even though maybe you messed up or maybe you haven't shared the gospel or whatever else then and, and you had a moment where you feel like you failed or whatever else, that, that God's grace is still there. You can still get back up again, right? You can still trust Jesus and share the gospel. So I'm not talking about those people. I'm, when I'm talking about denying Jesus and being ashamed and embarrassed of him, it's those people that, you know, you claim to follow Jesus, but you never tell people about Jesus. You never share the gospel. You, you continue to live a sinful life. You may know where God says, you're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to say that, and you just disregard it, like, whatever. Like, I'm not, because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my command. So if you're not obeying his command, you're not loving Jesus. You are not really in love with Jesus. And, and you may be more worried about fitting in with the culture than actually doing what the Bible says. And if you continually live that way, you are personally cutting yourself off from Christ, right? You make that decision to, to um, you know, be apart and be separate from Jesus Christ. And so as we are called to lead people to repentance, it is something that if you're nervous about doing this, pray for boldness. If you don't know what to say, pray for wisdom. Like ask God, God, I don't know how to do this. I'm not comfortable. I need you to help me out, right? Because not every Christian has to share the gospel the same way. And, and you don't, and not everyone has to use the same exact method, right? We don't have just a singular paper track that we give to people and that works for everybody, right? That's not the case. People are different and, and so the Holy Spirit allows you to be able to share the gospel in many different ways. And we look at Matthew, for example, how he um, brought something to the table when he's sharing with people. You know, Matthew, he may not have been able to uh, you know, be, be in war and be the perfect soldier. Or he may not be able to know how to fish, like he didn't know how to do it, but the dude could wield a pen. And through his old job, before he came to Jesus, these skills, this talent was polished to near perfection, to where he's constantly writing. He's constantly um, adding up figures and, and figuring things out and, and making all these things. And so 
through that, through, through him bringing his literary abilities and, and using them for Christ, we now have the Gospel of Matthew. You know, the first book of the New Testament like, is because he wrote it. And you look at it, it is detailed, and it has all, so many Old Testament references and, and precise details and everything else about the life of Jesus. And, and that was because he used the skill that God gave him even before he knew Christ, to advance the kingdom, to share the gospel. And so God gives us all abilities and skills and talents to where we can share the gospel. And it doesn't have to be so complex because it's something that God has gifted you in doing and you can use for the kingdom. You can use them for yourself and for self-gain or you can trust Christ and use them to advance the kingdom, right? And, and it can be a lot of different things. I mean, whether it's art or sports or technology or video or, or whatever else it is. I mean, it could be teaching. Um, it could be warfare, anything else that, that God's blessed you in and gifted you in. You can use to advance the kingdom. Just got to ask God, how? Like, Lord, these are my gifts. This is what you give me. How can I use this? to bless other people? How can I use my past experiences, the, the things that I've learned, everything else, to advance your kingdom, to share Jesus with other people? And we see that, that I mean, Jesus says he's calling Matthew to repentance and he's sharing um, the gospel, he's loving these other people. The Pharisees, the religious people of the day, did not like it. They didn't understand how Jesus would associate with such scum, right? Such bad, evil people. And, and the problem is they didn't understand Jesus and they didn't understand his ministry, right? They're, they're, they failed to recognize the relationship with God that Jesus gives. And there are a lot of people out there that claim they're Christians and they read the Bible and they have a lot of mem mem uh, scripture memorized, but yet they're far from God. They're not truly walking in love. They're not truly following Jesus. And so this is something that, that Jesus wants us to know, and I want you to know that Jesus spends time with anyone that wants to listen, anyone that wants to hear. There's Again, there's no one below um, his personal involvement. There's no one uh, above his personal involvement. He wants to love them. He wants to transform them. He wants to become Lord of their life. And so we have to recognize that, that people need a Savior. Before you can come to Jesus, you need to know that you're a sinner and that you need to be saved from your sin. You need perfection. You need Christ to transform you. You need God's blood on the cross to transform your life completely because you cannot enter heaven based on good works and based on pride. You need Jesus, right? You need Jesus. And so as we, as we ponder on this, no one can measure up to perfection. You yourself, you can't measure up to perfection. And that's why Perfection came from heaven and died on the cross for you so that when God looks at you, when you have faith in Jesus, he sees perfect, perfected righteousness. He sees holiness because of your faith in Jesus, because his blood atones for your sins. He makes you a saint. You're no longer just a sinner ready for wrath, but you are a saint. You are holy in the eyes of God because of your faith in Jesus, as long as you follow Jesus and trust Jesus. And so through this, as, as we do this, um, I pray that if you haven't ever done that, make that decision today. If you've never trusted Jesus, you've never made him Lord of your life, do that today. Make that decision today because it is the best decision you'll ever make. And if you have already done this, as you follow Christ, 
Just remember, ponder on this week what it means right now in the moment of trusting him. Are you trusting him? Are you fishing for people? Are you spreading the gospel? I know it can be difficult right now during these times where we're away from people, but there's there's always something you can do. There's always something you can say, or there's always the divine moments that God is setting up for you. If you trust him, he will help you to fish for people. And through that, you can lead people to repentance. You can lead people to show them that you need a savior and you have one. You have someone that loves you and cares about you if you would just trust him. And even then that in your own lives, maybe there's some things you need to repent from. Like you're doing certain things or you're living a certain way and you're like, I need to be done with that because Jesus says that is wrong. It's sinful and I wanna be in love with him. I want to know him more. I want to be holy as he is holy. And so just think about those few things this week and and, and ask Jesus, what. What, what can I do to trust you more? What can I do to fish for people more? What can I do to lead others to repentance? Because it's all about you, Jesus. That's gotta be at your core of every Christian. It's all about you, Jesus. So let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this time together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for being with us and speaking to us, Lord God. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just be with every single person in the sound of my voice, Lord. If they've never accepted you, that they would do that today. Lord God, and if they have, that they would grow in you, that they would want to follow you. They wouldn't look at your commands as chores, Lord God, but but something that they honored and privileged to be able to obey, to be able to to trust in you and to fish for people and, and lead people to repentance. God, I ask, Lord God, that you would just continue to be with every single person this week, that you would bless us and guide us and use us to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.